Welcome to Real Life. Hi, I'm Jim Miller, and you're listening to the Real Life LA podcast, coming to you from the Southern California foothills town of Glendora, California. We're a church for everyone, and we exist to lead lost people to Jesus, building a community of grace with a God-sized vision that reaches from generation to generation. As you hear today's message, we pray that God speaks specifically to you, opens your heart, and shows you how to live each day with more joy, beauty, and wonder. Good morning. Welcome to Real Life. Merry Christmas. If you are just visiting this morning, I'm Jim. I'm your pastor. It's great to be with you. It's great to celebrate Christmas, to have all the little kids up here singing. And, you know, they only have one setting. They go to 11, and that's it. They have one. It's top-notch. That is the only setting they have. And uh, so it's fun to have them up here. Um, you know, there's so much that I'm, I'm uh, thankful for this year uh, in our church, and there's so many things that I appreciate about this church. And I was just thinking about it because I'm looking back over 2018 and thinking about where we've been in our short life together as a church. 2017 was just sort of the chaos of figuring everything out, and uh, in 2018, we really, we really started to hit our stride uh, here, especially just in this, this last season. Um, I watched, uh, you know, I watched uh, you all uh, make. Uh, uh, little uh, Christmas packages for kids all over the world in developing nations. We mailed out over 200 gifts around the world to kids who might not have otherwise received a Christmas present. Uh, and that's so, that's so outstanding. That's so beautiful. And uh, you all just helped finish building a, a house for a veteran whose house virtually burned down. And he'd been living in a truck for three years. And this Christmas, he gets to be in his house for Christmas. And uh, so thank you for being that church. Thank you for doing that. Uh, Anthony's right. Uh, somebody said recently, oh, I've heard of your church. You're the fun church. Yeah, that's not all, though. I mean, there's, there's, there's so much uh, that I'm thankful for about this church. And um, recently, this was a beautiful one. This just happened uh, two, three weeks ago. Uh, you know, we went down to Mexico. We've been to Mexico a couple times in the last three months with little teams. We're going to take a bigger team next year. So if you're interested, let me know. And uh, we're, uh, uh, we're, we went down there. We were refurbishing a church and painted a church and hosted a lunch for all the little kids in the neighborhood so the, the families in the neighborhood would know the, the church cared for them. Uh, and while we were there, I, I noticed uh, that, you know, the church has no running water, which is not uncommon. Lots of the houses down in, in Tijuana do not have running water. But I noticed there was a fire hydrant across the street from the church. And so I asked the pastor there, Pastor Victor, I said, wait, that means there's water right over there. Why don't you have running water at your church? And he said, uh, because it's $500. We don't have $500 to run the water just across the street like that. And I shared that in a sermon a few weeks ago. And one of, one of you paid for it. So thank you so much for being at church. Yeah. So, yeah, I'll look forward to showing you pictures of the kids down there. I don't know, having water fights, whatever they do, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, thank you for being at church. That's great. Um, uh, and honestly, uh, you know, as we, as we draw around uh, the manger, as we, as we get to the Christmas season, uh, it reminds me that that longing that we have that the, the world would be a beautiful place, that the world would be a place where people were good to one another. That, that longing, that inclination is a real thing written on our hearts. It's not there by accident. That, that hope we have that life would have purpose and meaning, that's, that's, not, there, that's not there by accident. That's, that's how we're, we're made. And we're made that way to make us go looking for something bigger than ourselves. 
it's, it's that season now. It's Christmas. And so you see things, you see television shows, you see magazine covers that all say, Jesus, fact or fiction, Christmas, legend or reality, you know? And so when I'm in line at the grocery store and I see one of those, you know, I pick it up because I feel like that's my job. And, uh, and so I pick these up and I'm, I was reading this one article recently. It was, you know, Jesus, was the whole Christmas story made up or not? And what they like to do is they like to look at the Christmas story and say, there were stories that came before the Christmas story that, uh, that look a lot like it. And so the Christmas story itself, that's, it's a copy. It, they, just, they just took older legends and they changed the names, but it's a made-up story based on older ones. Because you look at critical elements of the, the Christmas story, and there were stories before them that are similar. So, for instance, you know, at Christmas, we talk about the virgin birth. Well, there were stories of virgin births before Jesus. Uh, it's said of the great Greek philosopher Plato... There's a legend about him that the god Apollo appeared to Plato's father and told him that he would give birth to a son. And so they look at that, oh, well, that's just like the Jesus story. They just changed the name from Plato to Jesus, and it's all just made up. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, a story's like the incarnation, the story of God coming in the flesh. That's not actually original to Christianity either. There were all kinds of stories in the Greek legends about gods walking the earth dressed as a person. Uh, if you've read Homer, if you read the Iliad or the Odyssey, you know that there are these ancient stories about gods doing that, usually in the Greek legends to make mischief and to find a girlfriend. That's, that's usually what the Greek gods were doing. I'm, I'm glad my kids are growing up in the Christian church instead of some church dedicated to a Greek god because God only knows what they learn in Sunday school at those churches because those gods were always in trouble. But, uh, but they look at those stories and they say, well, see, Christianity just copied stories like that of gods walking the earth already. Um, or even like the, the language of Jesus being the son of God. Like some people say, well, that's made up too, because that was, that's not original. Uh, Julius Caesar, right, of the Roman general, went around conquering everything, and then he appointed Augustus Caesar, his adopted son, to be the next emperor. And when Julius died, Augustus said, hey, you know my dad? You know my dad back there? He was a god. He was a god. So what does that make Augustus? The son of God, right? Yeah, yeah, I see what you did there. Yeah, good move. Good move. Yeah, anoint the dad, so then you're the, you're the special one too. Uh, and so they look at Jesus being called the Son of God, and they see not even that is original. So the whole thing is just copied, just made up. Well, I have two problems with that kind of reasoning. I have two problems with that line of thinking. One, what, it, what it's saying essentially is that whoever came first was the originator, and everything after that was just a copy, right? Everything after is a copy. And just like when you make photocopies, right? The copy's a little fuzzier. It's not as clear as the original. That, there's a problem with that kind of reasoning because there are things that Christian theologians were saying long before anybody else said them, long before the modern world, even before modern science said some of the things that, it, that scientists now believe in. Christians were saying it long before. So for instance, you know the Bible. The Bible says in Genesis, God created the earth. It says in the beginning, there's nothing and God created it. That's actually not the view that science has held through most of history. Through most of history, scientists believe that the earth has just kind of always been around. There's just forever backwards. That's just always been there. And it wasn't until the 1920s that right around Einstein's day that scientists started looking at the universe and saying, wait a minute, it looks like the universe is expanding. It's going out in all directions. In fact, it's speeding up as it goes feel like you have trouble like connecting with people and making friends because everybody's actually moving further away from everybody else psh, psh, in all directions. And it wasn't until 1964 that they first said, you know what, all this means, <coughs> it's unavoidable now. There was a beginning. There was a time before time. 
There was, before time, there was nothing. There's a time when time began. And after that, before that, there was nothing. And, and so, I mean, like who's copying who now, right? I mean, that's, Hebrew theologians were saying that thousands of years ago. Christian theologians have been saying that for centuries. And in 1964, the scientific community is now repeating what the Bible has said all along. Uh, that's actually every bit as, as offensive to, to scientists who don't like religion uh, as you might think. Uh, there's actually a, an astronomer named Robert Jastrow, and, uh, and he's not a religious person. And he says, this story for the scientist who puts his faith in reason, this story ends like a bad dream. He said, uh, he said the, the scientist has conquered the mountain of ignorance. He's about to climb the highest peak. He pulls himself over the last rock to find a circle of theologians who've been sitting there for centuries. He says it's every bit as bad as that. So be careful if you want to say whoever came up with it first must be right and everything else is a copy because Hebrew and Christian theologians were saying things long before the modern day that modern science is only now catching up with. That's the first problem I have with the whole line about Christianity and the Christmas story is just a copy. Secondly, though, I have another problem with it, and it's, it's, it's not always the case that, that someone who says things the second time is is less right or is a copy of people who have said things the first time. Think about the instance of guessing, right? If you guess something on Monday that then happens on Tuesday, it's actually Tuesday's knowledge that's more sure than Monday's. Monday was just a guess. Tuesday is a fact, right? Which one's more reliable? We all say, well, the guess was just, you know, lucky, but the fact is what's real. Well, I want to suggest to you that the ancient legends that sound like the story of Christmas were exactly that. They were guesses. And some of them were pretty close. But that shouldn't surprise us. That shouldn't surprise us because what that is is the fingerprints of God written on our hearts. We're made to wonder and to go looking. And it shouldn't surprise us when the things that we find are exactly what we were expecting or wanting or looking for. It shouldn't surprise us that we were made for the conclusion that we ultimately find. And that might be true in your life today. You might, you might have come looking this Christmas season. You and I both know how this works. It's Christmas. Attendance goes up at church. It does. People at Christmas and Easter, there's, there's just kind of, oh, yeah, we probably better go check back in again. Probably better go you know, punch the card, let them know we're here. But I think in that, in that, in that social trend, there's, there's something real there. There's something in our hearts around the Christmas season that makes us think, maybe there is something out there that's bigger than me. Maybe there's a story out there that's more important than the one I'm living. And I don't, I don't want to miss it. Some of us think, I, I hope it's better, better than this because this world that I'm in, this story that I'm living, this one's, this one's broken. I want a better story than this. And I think, that's something, I think that's something written on our hearts. It's actually a part of the Christmas story. You're actually going to see it in the Christmas story. The Christmas story does not discourage guessing. It actually encourages it. Um, 
there's a, there's a, a story in, uh, in the Christmas story that, that jibes with what we've been talking about at Real Life lately. Over the last few weeks, we've been in a series of studies called Surprise, and we've been looking at the surprise teachings of Jesus. If you've been here recently or if you're following the podcast at reallife.la, you know uh, what we've been talking about. There are teachings of Jesus, which you may have seen over and over and over again, but if you look at them, they, they jump out at you in a new way. You can discover uh, more deep things uh, about them or their implications go further further than you realized before. And there is a surprise written into the Christmas story that many of us have missed. And, and I, want you to, I want you to see that this morning. Open up your, your Bibles, open up your text to Matthew chapter 2. Uh, and as we go to the text together, let's take a minute and pray. Father, as we gather around your word this morning, may your spirit settle in our hearts. Give us peace, give us rest, give us clarity. May we see you and know you more. And God, for all of we who are wondering at you, who aren't yet sure about your presence in our lives, make it clear this morning, and may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. All right, this is Matthew chapter 2 at verse 1. If you are a, uh, a regular churchgoer at the holidays, you've heard this story many times, but there is still a surprise uh, hidden in it. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who's been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Now, the, this story is a familiar one. Uh, and we talk about these guys every single year. But I think a lot of us don't realize who these guys are. These magi, these people from the east, they came from uh, what they would have called Persia, what we'd call Iraq or Iran. It was uh, far off, uh, uh, far away, and they, they came wandering, looking for something that they had heard was coming. Now, think about this for a minute. They looked up at the stars, and they knew somebody who was going to be born. Who does that kind of thing? I mean, we in our songs like to call them three kings, but they weren't kings. These guys would not have fit in in Washington, D.C. so well as they would have fit in in Venice Beach. These are tarot card readers. These are the people who stare into crystal balls and predict the future. These are guys who watch the sky, watch the, sky, watch the stars at night, and tell you your horoscope. That's who that is. The Magi are people from another religion. These are people who, if they were in Santa Cruz, people would have looked at them and go, you guys are kind of weird. Well, now think about what that says. These guys were not Hebrews. They weren't Christians. They weren't, they weren't following the right God. They were off from, a, from another religion. And they came and they found the right Messiah. The word, the word magi actually exists in the ancient literature, but only in one place, and it's not in the Bible. It's not in the Hebrew scriptures. It's not in the, not in the Christian scriptures until these guys show up. The word magi only exists in a different religious book called the Avesta, which is from a religion known as Zoroastrianism. And if you don't know what that is, that's okay. I don't think anybody's going to ask you this afternoon. But this is important. These guys were from a completely different religion, which taught that there was a cosmic battle between good and evil, which one day would be settled by a savior who came and was born as a human being on the earth. And they predicted a virgin birth. This is another religion saying all of this. What are these guys doing in my Christmas story? 
I, I've heard for years that Christians go around saying, you know, you need to know the true God, and the true God is the one who walked the earth as Jesus Christ. That's who he is, and you have to know the true God. And those other religions, we can respect everybody else, but they don't know the truth until they know Jesus. What about these magi? They're from the wrong religion, and they look up at the stars, and they get the right message that the king of the Jews is going to be born, and they show up at the right time. Listen, the Bible doesn't tell us that people who are out there guessing at, at God are all wrong. It actually shows us sometimes their guesses are pretty good. And if you're somebody who has been wondering at who God is, and you think you have a sense that God might be out there, the Bible isn't there to tell you not to guess. It's not there to scold you for guessing, even guessing differently. It's there to say all those guesses are pointing you in the right direction. And God loves us enough that he stepped down here and walked among us so that we might know him. Uh, one of the ministries that we've done here at Real Life in 2018, and I'm so proud of this, and I've told you about this many times. If you're a regular around here, you, you've heard about Alpha. If you're, if you're new this morning, uh, Alpha is this great thing that we started where we do, we did it twice this last year. We do a dinner at Frisella's Restaurant on Glendora Avenue, and for about six weeks in a row on a, on a weeknight, uh, we have a, we, once a week, we have a, a dinner over there. It's a free dinner. And so we say, bring a friend, come down, have dinner together, good conversation. We watch about a 20-minute video that's all about what life is for, what, why life is there, and what God might have to say about life. And then we just talk afterwards. And the only rule for we who attend real life and who go to Alpha, the only rule for us is you can't tell anybody they're wrong. The world has had enough of Christians telling them that they're all wrong. What if the world got from the church the sense that we were there to listen to them and care about what they have to say. What if instead of scolding them for saying different kinds of things, what if we were there to say, hey, you know what? Your guesses are probably pointing you in the right direction. What if what they got from the church was not rejection and correction, but acceptance and open arms? And that's what Alpha has done. Alpha's been this free dinner, and we're going to do it again coming up very soon here in the spring. Priscilla's has offered to let us do it again there. Uh, if you've never been, I want you to come see it. And if you've got a friend uh, who, might be, who might be guessing at who God is, say, hey, come for a free dinner and let's talk about it. We have connected with over 40 people through Alpha this year who didn't go to real life church, maybe didn't have a church at all, maybe, maybe didn't know who God was, but who had this guess, who had this hunch that life had to be worth something more. And that God had to be worth talking about. The, the message of the Christmas story is that our guesses are there for a reason and are pointing us in the right direction. Now, I talked to a, a college student this year, uh, he, and he didn't go to APU. He went to Cal Poly Pomona, I think, a college student at Cal Poly Pomona. And I, I, we were talking about faith and such, and he said, religion is just a crutch. Have you ever heard this line? Religion is just a crutch. You know what people need, and so you give it to them. You know they need, you know they're lonely, and so you give them community. You know they want <clears throat> moral values, and so you tell them they're right and wrong. You're just, you're, it's a crutch. You just know what they need, and so you give it to them. The Bible gives it to them. And I thought about that for a minute, and I, I thought that's kind of like saying, you know how when you go to plug in your computer to charge it, right? You plug it in the wall. That's kind of like saying, well, the reason it works is because the outlet knows what the plug needs. And the outlet is just a crutch for the plug. It's just giving it what it needs. It knows that it wants power, and so it gives it power. It knows it's got three prongs, and so it fits just perfectly. It's just a crutch. Well, okay. <laughs> I think it's made that way on purpose. I think it's made that way on purpose because the person who made the outlet was thinking about the plug. And the person who made the plug was thinking about the outlet. 
And Christianity is the same story. It's just that the same guy made both us and the world. He made us and the scriptures. The God who made us has wired us to plug into him. You are made to plug into God. That's not a crutch. That's a perfect fit. That's just the world working out the way it's supposed to. So when your guesses point you in a direction of God, and that, that hunch that you have says, people should probably love each other. And there really, should be, there really should be a purpose to life. And there really should be right and wrong out there. And you find it all fulfilled in the Christmas story. That's not an accident. It's not a trick. It's because God made it all. If you have that hunch in your heart that God might be there, don't shoo that away. That's God's fingerprints on your heart. If you're exploring it, Come to Alpha with us this year. Come to Mexico with us. We're going to go, go build houses down there. Let's explore those fingerprints that are calling you closer to him. Uh, it's not the only place in the Bible that, uh, that, uh, they, that the gospel writers pick up on the guesses that we have. There's another passage in the Gospel of John. John was one of Jesus' friends who traveled around with him for three years. And he tells his own, it's really his own version of the Christmas story, but instead of shepherds and magi and everything, he tells it in kind of a, a poetic way. John begins the story of Jesus this way. He says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all humankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. John begins in this kind of a poetic way, saying, in the beginning was the Word. And you can tell as you read it, he's talking about Jesus. But he doesn't say, in the beginning was Jesus. He begins by saying, in the beginning was the Word. And the word he uses for word is logos, which is a Greek word that sort of means reason. It's where we get the word logic, right? In the beginning was the reason for everything. Now, John is not just being poetic here. This is something that Greek philosophers had said for centuries. They wrote books about the logos, about the fact that at, at the beginning of everything, there was a, a reason, a rationale for it, that everything was given purpose and order, that things are designed in certain ways to become certain things. It's not all accident and chaos. There's a, there's a reason behind it all, and that we're going to call the logos, they said. And John begins using the language of the Greeks to whom he is writing. And he says, in the beginning was the logos. That logos that you guys have been talking about. That logos that you guys guess is at the foundation of all things. Good guess. You're right. And I've met him. He's walked among us. And his name is Jesus. And that's the vision for all Christian ministry. The rest of Christian ministry is just us saying to the world in love, you know that guess that you have that he's out there? He absolutely is. And he's walked among us. I've met him. His name is Jesus. And it's even better than that. Jesus, this, this, this God at whom you've been guessing, he actually can speak to you right here and now, today. God can speak into your life in a powerful and real way. If you're, if you're new this, this weekend, we did this series earlier in the year where we talked about the, the supernatural ways that God works in our lives. And, and even as we went through that story, there were people in this, in this church family who experienced God speaking the, to them in ways that you could not explain naturally. 
I mean, there were, there were moments where people heard from God in ways that could not be written off as a coincidence. And every time I heard one of those stories, I shared it with you. I heard another one a week ago. I'm going to share it with you tonight at 7 o'clock at our evening service. Ah, yeah. I guess you'll be there. <laughs> uh, come back, bring a friend. If you have a friend who's guessing at God, bring him back tonight. I saw God work in a powerful way just about a week ago, and I'm going to tell that story tonight. But, but I want to tell you one right now. In case you weren't here last weekend, uh, Megan Bell, who's a member of our church, sat up here on the stage with me and shared a story that, that I want to make sure you caught. You can go back and listen to it on the podcast, but, but this is what she shared, and this one, this one goes deep for me. She, Megan uh, works in, uh, in organ transplants, and so if there's, there's somebody who in, in, in tragedy has lost their life, but their organs can, can save other lives, <clears throat> she's the one who calls the helicopters and has the helicopters go and deliver things so that people's lives are saved. And she shared a story from a few years ago about a, a kid whose life tragically ended, a teenager, and she lined up to have his organs donated to different people. She, it was going to save four or five different lives. <clears throat> and the mom said, now what about his heart? Because God told me that I would one day hear my son's heart beating in someone else's chest. And Megan said, I've, I've gone down the list. There's no, there's no recipients. There's no, he, he was a, a big guy, and so it took a, kind of a big recipient. She, she said, there's nobody. They've all said no. And the mom said, well, then it's, then it's all off the table. You can't have any of it. Because God told me that I would hear his heart beat again. And Megan said moments later, she got this call. She had gone down the list. She went through every single one. No, 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 no. They didn't have a recipient. Moments later, she got this call. And the people said, we need a heart. But the recipient's kind of a big guy. It's got to be a big heart. When Megan went back to see this mom, the mom looked at her and said, you've, you've, found, you've found the recipient, haven't you? I knew you would. And months later, she placed her head on the chest of some other person and heard her son's heart beating inside. Somehow in the midst of this terrible tragedy, God broke through it to, to redeem this broken situation and to save lives. And honestly, we as followers of Jesus believe that God wants to speak to us that way today. That God really and truly speaks into our lives today. That, that inclination that we have that he should be there. That there should be somebody. That we need to be loved. And that, and that really, it can't just be some God who started stuff up thousands of years ago and then just let it unwind. There needs to be somebody here and now. That guess is real. And I've met him. His name is Jesus. And he wants, wants to talk to you today. Let's take a second and pray that he would. Father, I thank you that, you that you love us so deeply, that you would be born as one of us and walk the earth and teach us to love one another and teach us how to know you and to die for us. Jesus, by the power of your spirit, touch hearts that are here wondering today Touch anyone who's not yet sure but has a guess that you're there. In the peace of our hearts right now, we invite you in. Jesus, come into our hearts. We give ourselves to you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.
Thanks for joining us today. Now, will you help us welcome others to real life? Share our podcast or find us on Instagram or Facebook at Real Life LA. If you'd like to become a supporter, please visit reallife.la and tap give to help us welcome everyone to real life. God bless and have a wonderful day.